Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than I Found It podcast. I'm Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor and your host today. My guest today is PGA Tour player Harold Varner. Harold is really an easy guy to pull for. He's so funny, so enthusiastic, so incredibly genuine. I caught up with him a couple of days before the RBC Heritage Classic, and he really provided some good content and a healthy dose of perspective that I enjoyed. After listening, I think you'll probably join that ever-growing legion of fans that just truly love this guy. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and I hope you enjoy Okay, Harold Varner, welcome to the Better Than I Found It podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out this week uh, to give us a chat this morning. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's good, obviously, seeing you, but I'm only talking, but uh, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's been a long time. I haven't seen you basically since you were in college. Yeah, uh, man, it seemed like it was yesterday, but it was actually a while ago. <laughs> yeah, so tell me, you're at the RBC Heritage this week? Yeah, I just got down here. Um did my little COVID test and just waiting for the results now. Well, that's something else. You got to take, you guys take one. How many a week do you take? Just one? Just one, unless we're in a, a foreign country. I feel like in a foreign country, I have to take one every three days. Okay. Well, I know it's been an imposition for everybody. College golf is the same way. We're traveling tomorrow morning and we've, we've got to make sure we've tested before we go. And uh, yeah, I'd say, uh, it's a challenge, but at least we're getting to play, right? Correct. That's great. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty you know, bleak there for a little bit, not knowing what we are going to do, but I would take a COVID test to be able to play again, so for I'm sure. okay with that. For sure. Well, how's everything going with you? You doing okay? Everything's good. Um, I actually uh, got married in September, and we have a little one coming uh, October 7th. Oh, well, congratulations. That's fantastic. So everything's going great, but I hear kids uh, are a little different. So I'm excited just to, uh, I mean, I just wish you would just come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's going to change your life. That's a great thing. Congratulations. Thank you. That's what I hear. Um, but we're obviously, I know a couple of guys that it's hard to have kids. So we're super, super blessed on that end. You better believe it. That's wonderful. My, I was, my assistant coach has a, Mikel has a 14 month old. And um, he he said it's changed his life a lot. So and in, in good ways, every every possible good way. So that's great. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get into this. I you know a lot of people kind of sort of know you from having seen you in tournaments on TV and everything. And uh, but I wanted to get in there and find out a little bit more about you. Um, I remember in college when you were in college at East Carolina, we played you guys in the match play championship someplace on the, I think it was a concession. Yes, sir. And uh, I, I remember thinking to myself, man, this kid can play. And uh, you whipped the guy on my team that day. I'm not even going to mention his name, poor guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you whipped him pretty good. And I, I thought, wow, he's going to be a player one day. So uh, I have enjoyed watching from afar your, your career just over the last seven or you know eight years. It's been fun to watch. And I know you are just loving chasing this dream. So let's let's dive in, if you would. Um, you grew up in uh, Gastonia, North Carolina, correct? I did. I did. I was born in Akron, Ohio. And then I moved to Gastonia when I was um, 
six years old. So I just say I'm I was born in Akron, Ohio, but raised in uh Gastonia and now I live in Charlotte. So I didn't go too far from home. <laughs> no, uh, but Charlotte, what a great golf town. I, I can't wait to talk a little bit about that. Um so growing up in Gastonia, I know you live fairly near a golf course, so you were able to get to golf. At what age did you start and who was the most influential in that decision of kind of getting going in golf so my dad played a lot of golf so i played a lot with his friends and in the summer at this muni course that was like i mean it's five minutes away maybe closer you could from starting i think maybe six or seven you could like pay this fee and from june 1st until september 1st monday through friday kids played for free and it was i mean it was the coolest thing ever it sounds so you know, right. Like at the time it was like, man, this is cool. But like the older I get, I figure out like golf costs a lot of money and it was insanely cool because of the price and it gave me access and competition. So my parents would just drop me off and my dad would pick me up when he got off work. So it was just, you know, it was like my, I guess my babysitter, but it taught me a lot of things about life. And I met some unbelievable people I still talk to today. And, you know, obviously at every golf course, there's a bunch of old men that basically take care of the kids. And I guess I was one of those kids. When I was uh, a high school golf coach in Edmond, Oklahoma, there was a golf course called Kicking Bird Golf Course. And it's just legendary in Oklahoma, you know, about basically raising children is what Kicking Bird did, this golf course. It, the parents would drop them off early in the morning. And, you know, there were a lot of mentors, a lot of older men that played golf at the course. And one, one little man named Bill Nicholas, who really affected a lot of lives in an amazing way. So there's you, it's hard to put the value on what growing up at a golf course can do for a kid. Sounds like to me, it was really good for you. It, yeah, I mean, it changed my life. It just, you know, obviously it opened up a lot of doors later in life. Well, not later, I'm still young, but um, at a young age, it just taught me how to, uh, how to present yourself, how to represent yourself as a, you know, even though you're a boy, as a man, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, things, you know, how to play through golf etiquette, um, gambling, you know, like whatever it might be, you, you know, you're, you're probably going to learn it there, especially if you're getting better. Um, so I just, there's, it's priceless in this world. We obviously live in right now where, you know, perfect example, uh, Shoda, I think his name is the caddy for, uh, Hideki. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how polarizing just a little bit of respect is when, I was growing up, it was, that was the only option. Either you're going to pay your respect or it's going to be a pretty tough upbringing. That's um, great. So I found that very odd. I mean, it's really cool what he did, but I just, you know, everyone's seen it. You know, I just thought it's obviously totally different than most of the celebrations we've seen on uh, 18 and, you know, past years. But it was very, very odd from that the world is, you know, hey, man, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, like that's that's what, you know, that's how I grew up. Well, but that you're a product of really good parenting. I mean, you know, I was a school teacher for a lot of years and a high school golf coach. And then I've been a college coach for 25 years. And it's pretty obvious when one of your players has had some good parenting. I mean, where they've learned respect and they've learned to treat people the right way. And that's that's so, so important in our world. And, and honestly, you can't change the whole world, but you can certainly change your own little corner of it. And Sounds like to me, your mom and dad did that. Tell me, tell me about that. Is you know, as far as the impact they had on shaping you. Um, I mean, they gave me everything I needed to be a better person. Obviously, 
never knew I'd play on the PJ tour. It's always was my dream. Um, they just did, uh, you know, they still do just the biggest thing for me. My parents did was I always felt like I could tell them anything, whether I got in trouble or I did something good. I could just talk to them about what was going on. Um, and you know, at the time I thought that was very normal for, you know, a parent, you know, parent son relationship, but the older I get, it was, you know, there's a, there's more best friend relationships right now which is kind of tough, you know, and as I'm going to be a parent soon, I think about things like that, just how comfortable it is to talk to my dad, but they are my mom, but they were still able to discipline me to know that I knew, I knew what was right from wrong. You know, like that's, that's the biggest kicker, you know, like if you have a question, you know, ask it, you know, I just, I've gotten in trouble before and I just felt as if it made it so much easier to be like, you know, I, I'm still scared of my parents. Like I still think right now my dad would hit me with a belt if I did something wrong. Like I'm still terrified of that. Um, but that, that was the biggest thing for me. I just, I knew, I knew right from wrong based off of sometimes a belt, but, or sometimes a stern talking to, and that communication is so key. I think so. My parents uh, raised seven children and yes, the belt was used. And I know today in the modern day world we're living in. A lot of people say that that's a problem, but I don't. I've, I've always- I believed, agree with you. Yeah, I agree totally with that. It's like, th there's gotta be a respect level there that the kid has for mom and dad. And I still have, my parents are no longer alive and I still have an amazing amount of respect for the way they treated me, the way they raised me, the way they, I don't know, helped guide me and get me ready for the path. You know, there's an old saying, don't, don't prepare the path for the child, prepare the child for the path and that's i think what your parents have done and that's why you're probably really successful on the pga tour one of the reasons for sure so i totally agree um i think it's just funny you know we're not animals but the way you train an animal to be what you want to be is by discipline you know we we have a we have a german shepherd and you know he has an electric you know shot collar and yeah he listens to us but like you know, when he doesn't, he gets a little buzz. And I hate that. Like, you have to explain it that way. But this dog is an unbelievable dog because we do little things like that when he messes up. But when he does good, we, you know, hey, come here, boy. You know, like it's I mean, that's a terrible analogy, but that's the best analogy because we're going through it right now. We're doing it and I'm not ashamed of it. Like, I'm not, I don't I'd rather have a good dog that's disciplined than not discipline them and take the chances of them not doing what's right. If left to our own devices, I don't think we'd do very well if we didn't have some direction and guidance. I just don't know how you would. So that's great. I'm sure that uh, you'll use some of the what you've learned from your parents when you actually have a child. Do you know if it's going to be a boy or a girl, by the way? We do. It's a boy. And I thought it was a girl for the, the whole time. Uh, it's going to be a boy. And mom is healthy. Um, I just, I mean, she was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> devastated so that was pretty intriguing to me because you i mean to me i was like it went from like yeah i would love a boy all right i get it and then it went to like man i just wanted to be healthy and then like right as we we're opening the envelope it went to like is it really a boy like and amanda was she was not thrilled but <laughs> she's 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 back on it now she's back on the excitement train well, so I'm, I, I, you know, I, I like to recruit ahead. So this is class of 2040, oh, yeah. uh, Harold Varner, the fourth. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. I just want to get my recruiting schedule planned out. So that'll be it. I'll only be in my eighties. No big deal. Um, so, okay. That's great. That is really, really wonderful to hear. And I don't hear that often enough. And when I'm going through recruiting wars and battles and do the evaluation and all the watching and all that we do, that's a huge part of what I look at is, is how the parents have raised the child and how, you know, if, if that child has no respect for his parents as they're going to and from the golf course and at the golf course while they're there, I, I don't think I'm going to have a real good chance of having much respect from that kid. So yeah, exactly. How do you, I mean, that's basically just goes down the path. If he's not, if he won't listen to his parents, he's probably not very coachable sometimes unless, you know, he just turns out opposite of what I think. <laughs> yeah, no. All right. So that speaking to that, I, I did want to ask you about this. You talked about being coachable. You didn't, you, I've read where you didn't have an instructor until you were 16. And honestly, that's really, really good in my opinion. But, and just because you learned a lot of things on your own, which is very valuable. So talk to me about uh, your early, early growing up without an instructor and now with instruction, if you do ha- uh, take from lessons now. Correct. So, um, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't take any lessons, but I mean, there's some great books out there, the heart, you know, the red book. And a book my dad made me read was The Five Fundamentals of Golf by Ben Hogan. I mean, it's like it's the smallest book ever, but it taught you how to grip it. It taught you how to stand, you know, just the basic fundamentals of golf that, you know, still are relevant today. Like I still try to do these things. Um, So I, you know, I played golf and I just played this massive hook and I had two really good friends that I that I played golf with that were getting really good. And, you know, they were like, Hey, you need to see this guy named Bruce Sutter who was teaching, um, at Gaston country club where I just had started working. Um, and he basically, one day I was working, I was like, Hey Bruce, uh, would you mind looking at me, you know, on sometime down the road? And he's like, I'll see you tomorrow at 10. And I didn't even know if I had to work the next day or anything, but the head pro at the time was like, even if you do have to work, we'll figure it out. Um, so speaking of having unbelievable parents, I had unbelievable people that just made sure things worked out, you know, like, cause if Mike Taylor, the head pro would have said, Hey man, you need to change your date or whatever. It would have made it more difficult on me, but I obviously would have figured it out, but they made it easy. And this guy, I mean, I still, I still take, sometimes I just go eat lunch with him. I just talk to him. He's 80 now. But it was funny last week. I was watching a little bit of the live from the Masters, and Jack was on there, and Roy was hitting balls. And I never knew this, like, you know, never knew anything. But Jack, I guess Jack Grout taught Jack Nicholas, and they were, uh, he was talking how he never went on the practice tee with Jack, not once. And I mm. thought that was, um, so my, so growing up, Bruce never traveled. So I took lessons with Bruce from Bruce from 16 until I got on tour. So I, I would have been 24. So long time. And it was so intriguing that like, if I wanted to go see Bruce, I had to travel back to guest study. Like it was just like, it is what it is. So sometimes it would be, you know, you're on the mini tours and it's four or five weeks in a row or just can't get back to Gastonia and you just had to figure it out. And I thought, I mean, I just sat there and I was just like, man, it makes so much sense because you know, we're always like searching for something and sometimes the search is right within you. It's not someone else. Wow. That, that's a wise man right there. 
yeah, it was, uh, it's very, so I, I saw Bruce last week <laughs> and I just told him, I was like, I just told him, thank you. Cause you know, it, it's, uh, you know, things come full circle and, you know, you hear someone, you know, Jack Nicholas being one of the greatest to ever do it. And then you like hear the stories that he tells about Jack, how, you know, just stuff where he, when he would get lessons, someone would be just teach me like you've never seen me play before, you know, just fundamentals, things that matter the most, you know, you can don't miss it before you hit it is what Bruce just always tell me. And I just think it's just very interesting how him not traveling helped me. Uh, you know, the, um, there's been a lot of change in the world of golf instruction over the last 35 years. And I mean, it's gone a long way, but I, I think some things remain true all the way through. And I think there's still room in the game for old time instruction where it's just sort of common sense and wisdom. And I, I don't think it all has to be track man and angles and, you know, pressure plates and just, I mean, the, all those are tools. But when it comes right down to it, we're still human beings and and he knows who you are and he knows how you tick and what, what goes on. And and that's been able that's worked. Correct. And you got to stay true to yourself. Obviously, you would know in this game, it's very easy. The, the better you get, the more you have access to things that at the time you don't know about, but you want to learn. But sometimes learning in parts where you don't really need to learn aren't very good in my opinion. So I just, I've been very fortunate to have people to where, you know, if I go get a lesson, it's like, Hey man, you know, like I just really want to know why the golf ball is doing what it's doing. You know, like that's all I really care about. And I've had, so I've taken lessons from Todd Anderson, Scott Hamilton, and I'm taking lessons from Bradley Hughes right now. And what I've learned is it's all the same, you know, like either it's, you know, it's wherever the face is pointed, match the path and just, swing you know like I, I can figure that out and then you just have a after so long you just have an idea where you want to hit the golf ball like it's not it's no one else's fault you know and I I like where, I, where I'm at right now just with golf in general like hey I want to hit this target see it and do it you know like because if you had a basketball you wouldn't think about any angles you'd be thinking about how I can score this and well as long as you have that mindset like for me that's the best mindset for me because it you know, it takes thinking out of it. All I'm doing is trying to execute what I want to do. Yeah, Not you got really. to think less. You really do. I mean, yes. you're trying to hit a golf ball. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, um, so before we get to, I want to talk about tour, life on tour. I want to talk about your personality because you obviously have an amazing personality and you're a very uh, self uh, admitted opinionated person, but also one of the funnest guys on tour. I want to talk all about that, but I, before we get there, I want to talk about your experience at East Carolina. I briefly mentioned that we played you in the match play one year there, but uh, Press McFall is one of my dear, dear friends in college coaching. Just love the man, and he was your college coach. Talk talk to me a little bit about Press. What made him good, and how did you all get, get along? Um. What made him great, and this is so selfish, made him great for me is that I felt as if I had another father figure in one of the most important parts of my life. Like, mm. I could tell him what I wanted to do, and when I wasn't making daily decisions to get closer to that, you know, I was going to get it. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, and I wasn't very, I wasn't a very good leader. I think if I could, you know, I look back on it, I think I was very talented. Like, I, you know, people that are talented, I feel like can get away with 
not so much doing what everyone else is doing, but you just feel like you're just going to beat everybody. You know, like I never like, I was just like, Oh, I'm gonna practice and I'm going to, I'm going to beat them. I don't know what else to say. And at the time, like while we were in school, I'll never forget. He's just like, man, you gotta be a better leader. And I was just like, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't like it, but he just held me accountable for what my, what I wanted to do with my life. And I find that balance with uh, coaching and golf in college of being like, Hey, we have this guy that wants to be on the PGA tour. And then this guy who just wants to graduate. How do you, you know, how do you balance that? And we talked, I mean, so I, ha- I didn't have my end of year meeting cause I went and played us us open sectionals. And I somehow I didn't go back to school until sometime in the fall. And he's like, can I have some time with you when you come back before the football game? I was like, yeah, for sure. And we talked, I bet you we talked for like three hours, just how hard it is just to find people that want to be coached in a certain way. And I just don't know how you guys do it because I only know one way. I think if you do something wrong, I'm, I'm coming after you. But at the same time, I'm coming after you because I care. And some people don't take that very well at all. So he, he obviously changed the course of my life. Like he just taught me, like, he's really good at making decisions. Like, don't worry about, you know, what the consequences can be. Like, hey, this is what I believe is the best decision. And this is what we're going with. And I, I just learned so much from him. I could ask him so many things. I'm glad you say that because those things uh, validate everything I've ever thought about press. Wonderful guy. And, you know, what you just described, I hope a lot of coaches listen to this and uh, coaches do listen to this podcast, but because there's there's a lot right in there, what you just described about press, it would help every coach, like making decisions <clears throat> for a long time. I think that was one of my weaknesses. I I didn't want to make a decision because, oh, it might upset this kid or I might, oh, that kid might not like it or whatever. I have, you know, that was one of the things that took a long time for me to learn. Make a decision. It's what you think is right and you can live with the consequences. So I really, really appreciate that. And the fact that he held you accountable, there's nothing, in my opinion, more important for a guy achieving a dream like the one you've achieved. And well, you you haven't achieved all your dreams. I know you have more. Correct. But is you you don't want to just let people let you slide because we're just humans and we we have fallible you know we're fallible we make mistakes and we need help along the path so uh, that's good to hear about press really love that guy um, so you uh, finished college turned pro it took three years to get a tour card that's not unusual it's pretty normal actually describe that little time of three years of mini tours and all of that life it was awesome the mini tours was the greatest part of my life because I felt like an adult I was an adult I had this guy named Bill Williamson who I'll never forget I needed some money to play and he met me at the Krispy Kreme in Gastonia and he wrote me a check for ten thousand dollars oh my gosh and um I mean he's one of the biggest I guess donors whatever you want to call him for chap for uh UNC so he really wanted me to go to Carolina, but I had to go to a community school for uh, for like a year. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'll probably get stuck wherever I'm at. Um, but he just always just loved on me. You know, uh, I'm sure I can share this story. It'll be fun. So Bill will. So when I turned pro, you know, obviously I felt like it was very easy. I, my first tournament was the U.S. Open. Um, I qualified for that. So I just kept always just kept getting better. It was like, I don't know. I didn't really think much of it, but now I see that it's, it's a little bit harder than I thought it was, but 
Bill Will really helped me like with life. Like for instance, Amanda lost her brother. This would have been, so I won the Australian PGA and he passed away the next Friday and we were out at a dinner and found out and come to find out like Bill Will has been through types of stuff like that. And I mean, I bet you I eat lunch or dinner with Bill Will. I'd say if I have an off week, at least once, you know, I'd say once every two months. I mean, this guy's 90 years old now, but for the last 10 years of my life, I've basically sat down with this guy and his best friend and just talked about life. You know, like obviously he helped me out. Like I, he, you know, helped me out with money because I needed it. And he raised me 10 more thousand dollars from the place where I was working at Gaston Country Club. So once again, someone investing in my life more so about the better being of Harold and not so much him being on the PGA Tour. Bill Williamson, I, I actually know who you're talking about. Um, wow. He, yeah, he played on tour. Yeah, great He guy. did play on the tour, but before that, he played golf at the University of North Carolina. And in 1953, a man named Earl Moeller from Oklahoma State, at the time Oklahoma A&M, good friend of mine, he's an old man too now, but he, uh, he won the NCAA championship. And I think uh, Bill Williamson was runner-up to him. I'm pretty sure. He was. That is – Correct. And I um, have this image in my mind of a of a picture of the two of them at the Scarlet Course at Ohio State where they played that year. And um, yeah, so there I, I knew who you were talking about when you when you spoke his name. So Bill Will, Bill Williamson helped me out with just life. I mean, he came to my wedding. I mean, he's 89 years old in the middle of a, this COVID thing. And he comes to my wedding, you know, just um, so the mini tours were great because I didn't have to think about money. I didn't. I just played golf. and you know, transparently it like, you know, I played well because I didn't have to think about anything. I just kept doing what I was doing. You know, you're not, you're not worried about anything. It was awesome. I traveled, I met some awesome people. I had some good friends and then it got a little bit more serious on the corn Ferry tour. Um, the first year I should have made it on the PJ tour and it just, you know, you just always think it's going to go your way. I just, I didn't anyway. I don't know. And I finished 29th, and I didn't play well in the playoffs, and I was just so butthurt. I mean, I can still remember going home being like, you know, usually you're always like, man, you know, you got 10 minutes of just pure, I guess, recovery where you're just like, man, this is what I need to do. But it took me about five hours just like, man, how the hell did you not get that done? Because <laughs> I had two good chances, you know, like Portland I had a good chance. All I did was finish top 10, top 20, and I would have finished in the top 25, and then – in those playoffs, you just need one like top 10 or just two consistent top fifth, top 20s. You're going to get in. And I just didn't get it done. And the next year, I just came out just blazing the trail and, you know, I just finished 25th. And then I played well in the playoffs. I just, I've kept learning. I kept getting better. And it just, you know, I'm obviously super talented, which I didn't, you know, I was just telling you, I don't realize how talented I am until the older I get. Um, and just honed in on the things that I felt like I needed to work on. And then when I got on tour, I feel like the courses got they got easier because the ball striking became more of a premium. You know, it was uh, it's kind of weird. I had had four top tens in my like first, I guess, fifteen tournaments. So it was like, you know, hey man, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a great I man. Many tours were awesome to me. Many tours in Corn Ferry. I just it's more of a great place to hang out. You can get better. I needed it. I needed that time. Um, 
And then once you get on tour, it's just all business. Like today, I already know what I'm going to do all day today, which yeah, that's, that's, I've never thought that. <laughs> yeah, I bet that is very, very unusual for you. But, you know, so you made some good friends on, the, on those mini tours, I know, because you guys were all going through the same thing, all had a dream, and none of you were there yet. So who are some of the guys that you kind of got close to on the in the mini tour life? Um, this guy named, uh, you would know, would be Taylor Gooch. Oh, yeah, goodness gracious. <laughs> So I played with him a little bit, and um, a guy named Bruce Woodall who played at UVA. Um, right. That's probably who I played with the most. And then I had a teammate that got came out of school at, the year after me who played the mini tours, uh, Zach Edmondson. Um, I met, I mean, there's obviously more, but those are probably who I hung out with the most because I would come back home to North Carolina and play, and we would find somewhere to play. But once I got on the Corn Ferry, um, I moved to uh, – jacksonville beach and i you know tbc sawgrass was an awesome place to like play because there's some tour guys down there you're going to get some you're just going to be able to practice and play all day every day like a little kid like oh you know that's all i did i played golf and traveled it was awesome yeah that's good well i'm glad you got to know taylor pretty well he's uh obviously a player i coached for three years at oklahoma state and a really good guy he's a sports nut too i bet you guys talked a lot about sports correct yeah, we, we had a great time uh, just, you know, understanding where he comes from. You know, like, it, I think it helps if you come from a similar background, like you said. So you're just – you're sitting there and you're – it just uh, – it's not hard to have a conversation. Bruce Bruce Woodall was a McDonald's All-American, so, you know, he's all in the sports. So it was just kind of a – that's who I really hung out with, like, on a – I guess would say on a – if we were playing a mini-tour event and we were – both playing in the event we were hanging out and bruce woodall actually caddied for me he missed this is crazy he missed first stage of q school or missed to go to second stage and he caddied for me in second stage the year i got through q school he, he's the one on the bag when you got your card yeah crazy that is wild that's wild so you're on tour established member of the tour doing great having a good you're you're chasing your dream beautifully and um i want to I want to say you uh, have a moniker of being one of the nice guys on tour, one of the most fun guys on tour. Do you embrace that? Is that something that's real? Uh, is, it, is there something behind the curtains where I'm really not a nice guy? Or w what is it about you? I, I think of you as being just a really fun, nice guy to be around. But talk to me about that. I think uh, I have a really good perspective on what golf really is. It's a fake world. Um, we drive a brand new car every week. We get to travel to wherever the sun is most of the time. I mean, obviously there's some bad weather here and there. Um, it's just not real. So I just always don't – I just think – I know that I'm blessed to the point where sometimes you just got to know that it's not life or death out here. It's, you know, you know, this is mm. – it's your job. It's, it's your job from the outside. But on the inside, I just know that, like, it can be taken away tomorrow. You can play better. 30 years down the road, you know, I hope people remember, but I doubt they will. They'll remember how you acted. They'll remember how you treated them. They'll remember that forever. Um, so I just, those are things that I've always, you know, felt from other people. And I do like having a good time. I think that's life's too short to be going through it, you know, with a bad attitude. You know, I coach 10, basically 10 kids every year. So, you know, over a five-year period, I've coached around 50 kids probably or somewhere in that ballpark. And I, I, it just pains my soul when I see a kid who's just in a funk and he can't get out of it and he's miserable and he doesn't like practicing, doesn't like traveling, going to the tournaments. So 
I think it's important. That's my job at that point to get him to return to when golf was fun. It is a game after all, and not very many guys get to play it for a living. So if you're playing a game that you're not going to play for a living and you're not enjoying it, what are you doing? And yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make (laughs) any sense. So I'm trying to get them back point in that direction. You look like you, I mean, like, is there ever been a time as a professional? So the last six years, seven, eight years, where you hated golf, didn't enjoy it, didn't want to go practice? And if so, what did you do to get out of that funk? Um, I think my time is coming, but it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Um, I think it'll happen because I care so much about the people that are close to me when I have a kid. And, you know, I this is so weird. I told Press my senior year of college because I had just played – I just kept playing better. I, kept, I was – you know, I just like I was saying, I just kept getting better. And I said, the one thing I'm looking forward to is when I start playing bad. Because anyone can, you know, play good when they're playing good. But when you're playing bad, how do you just grind it out? How do you how do you just find a way and know that, hey, this is going to work out? It always does. Always will. Um, and I just I played. I, I didn't play bad. I just wasn't hitting it the way that I know how to hit it. And I. I helped the team and it just made, it made life so much easier for me to know that if I miss four cuts, my chances of winning the next tournament are just as good. For sure. So it makes every day so much more, I guess, pleasant, but it also makes me aware, like, you know, like there's still goals. Like no one wants to miss four cuts in a row, but I've done it. I've done it multiple times on the PGA tour and it just doesn't, doesn't phase me. I don't really care. It doesn't, that doesn't, you know, I don't really think about it. So I, I haven't had that moment, but I think leaving the house one day when that kid starts speaking, I'll have a hard time. And it won't be it won't be so much about how I'm playing. It'll be like a personal thing to where I want to be there for that kid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're just not going to be. And I think when like, you know, I'm sure my dad to this day still wants to be, you know, I don't think that ever goes away. So. I'm already preparing myself for those types of things. I know how I feel when I leave Amanda. Like when we first started dating and we'd leave, I'd be like, oh, you know, I love you. But I'll see you soon. And the more you just fall in love with someone, it's just, it gets harder. So preparing myself for that is going to be, I feel like the next step in my life. Cause I, there's a moment I can tell you uh, when I almost lost my card my second year on tour, I still loved it. I still knew I was going to be all right. It never, I never sat there and thought like, man, if I lose my card, this is going to suck. No, I was like, if I lost my card, that's what was, that was what was meant to happen. And it didn't happen. So, you know, I, <clears throat> super fortunate. I played well in Wyndham. Uh, it's just, it is golf's just, you know, I got to spend some time with Tiger and I just know that he gave me some good advice on, you know, we're so good at comparing careers, comparing people's, you know, what did he do? What did he do? And he was so adamant about, you know, just run your race. Don't worry about anyone else's. Oh, I love that. That is so good. The uh, And so I want to talk about Tiger if we have a second to do that. But it, everybody's got a different race. Everybody's got a different. I was talking to a player on the team this week who was kind of on our team, who was kind of upset with where he was and what he was doing. He was trying to compare it to somebody else that he knew. And I said, that doesn't matter. His career doesn't have any effect on your career. You know, so. That's good that Tiger would give you that advice. Have you had very many dealings with Tiger, very many opportunities? I have. Um, man, he's been so good to me. Uh, I texted him this video of when we found out that we were having a boy or girl, and he uh, 
you know, he's never told me he's proud of me, but he told me he was proud of me and I didn't even respond back. You know, I just didn't really know, you know, what I say back. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks old man. Uh, but think so, about it. Think about what having children has done for tiger. I mean, just think of the dad that he's become. Oh man. He like, if we play a practice round, he's like, I got to take the kids to school. Then I'll fly out. So I won't be there till late. You know, just that's his goal is to be, and, you know, this is so funny. We played together one time and he was talking about how his daughter doesn't want him to leave. And I was like, I mean, if you're having a hard time, what am I going to be like? <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, that's so you just listen. You know, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. But I do ask questions to try to get better. But he's been he's been so good to me, man. He uh, <laughs> he just, you know, if I ask a question, I mean, I try to ask that guy as many questions as possible. You want to talk about a golf mind, huh? What a golf mind. It's unbelievable. Just so uh so simple. Like, you know, like you you think every time you like see it from the outside, you're like, this is what he's doing. I'm like, man, it's probably the opposite. You know, he's very, he's very big on just like being a, you know, like we say, I'm sure you probably say it, just be an athlete. See your target, do your, you know, and he might be the best at it. He's he's amazing at it. That's great. Well, it's really cool that you get an opportunity to use him as a resource. And, and that tells me a little bit more about you. You're, you're smart. You've always used resources. You've described four or five different people here in your life that have, you've benefited from, you know, ha having spent time with those people, but you're also smart enough to take wisdom and advice and instruction from people. And I'm sure you, you're going to continue to do that as you continue to grow as a player. You have to, you got, I mean, Bill will to this day, I had lunch with him last week and he said, He's like, my next 10 years is going to be the best 10 years of my life. He said, I'm going to keep learning. And I was like, man, this guy's 90. And he's talking about learning. And there's people that are 21 that think they know everything. And I'm like, well, I'm 30, so I need to keep learning. I need to find something. You know, he's always into something. And I, uh, I've i always admired that. I, uh, It's helped me because you, you see stuff you want to do in life, you know. And with COVID, you can do a lot more than you used to, I think, you know, like because you have the time. Are you a reader, by the way? Do you read? uh here and there i like reading books about people's lives i just read the urban urban meyer book which is pretty crazy oh wow what a life he's lived huh yeah correct yeah. i mean he's had some awesome people around him oh boy he really has okay let's talk about uh this week i want to talk about the remaining schedule you, you what you have left this year on the pga tour where you're planning on playing but before we get to that what kind of um what kind of true legacy do you hope to leave in this game and in this life? I mean, I know you have a foundation, so thinking outside yourself is important. It, you know, anybody who has a foundation, that, that that's important to them. What's your legacy going to be, do you think? And I know you're only 30. Um, I, my, I feel as if I think that I would hope people would say that I gave people the same opportunity that someone else gave me. Um, not, you know, it's hard to give everything, be everything to, everyone but you know i just know how much like one person has impacted my life and how i speak about them i just hope that one day i can do that to just one person you know just shared between knowledge life skills you know what i believe in whatever that might be just be able to they can pick my brain like you know and i just hope one day it's not about golf to be honest with you that, that i think that think that'd be pretty cool really awesome that you said that because golf is just that vehicle and you're very fortunate to be able to do it, very blessed. But there's just so much more to life than golf. And I think you're getting ready to figure that out in October when that little boy 
comes to town and shows yes. up. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that, but it is a vehicle. So tell me about the foundation, though. I, I just mentioned it, but tell me about it. So the H3 <clears throat> Foundation was started because we were trying to do the same program that I had growing up, the $100 things. And I was just going to pay for X amount of kids if we could get kids to do it. And they were, the city of Gastonia just wasn't very fond of it, doing it again. And I was like, well, you know, we got to find some way. So the foundation gave us a vehicle to basically just raise some money legally. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you get, you know, you, you just can't do, you just can't raise money and just put it in your bank account, obviously. So we, uh, we, we just were, our goal is to get kids access to sports. Um, it's just so expensive. We sponsored a baseball team. Uh, you know, we're a little bit everywhere the first two years because my best friend, um, and I ran it and basically whatever money we raised, we just gave it back out. You know, that's just, we just wanted a place to be able to do that. We sponsored a baseball team. We sponsored an Aussie women's uh, football team, which was really cool. But now it's like, it's way more specific. Now we want to start a mentorship thing where there's an opportunity for a kid to have a bill will in their life or a Bruce Sutterith or whoever that may be because this great social divide, I guess we talk about a lot on the media, right? Is not, I don't think it's so much about what people, I think it's what people hear on the news. Like if you're a black person, you're growing up right now and you're watching the news, man, you're looking at white people differently when I, as a black person, I just never, I never really either had that experience or ever thought that. Um, so we're going to, I think it, that if you can start things at an early age to know that, you know, kids, you know, people aren't against you. I think there's just bad people. Um, so we're doing that. And then we're having a few events here and there. Uh, we have a high school event, which was two weeks ago. Um, 156 kids played two courses. Um, and it's pretty, uh, it's awesome. We, we have another event. Do you remember Daniel Meggs played at oh, Wake Forest? Oh, yeah, for sure. So Daniel Meggs obviously passed away and we have an event for him. But we're trying to make it where we uh, that event. We're not affiliated to that event. We're just trying to get it going so that it can turn out to be like a big event. And now, I, you know, after trying to start it and get it going, I didn't know there was that many junior tournaments you know, every week in the summer, mm-hmm. it's like insane, but we, you know, it'd be really cool if it turned out to be something like Scott Robertson and it was at the course that he grew up at just so, you know, I mean, that guy, you know, we, we had a lot of fun together. You know, I grew up playing with him and being who I am, I have an opportunity to keep his name alive, also raise money so a kid can get a scholarship and education and college golf mean the world to me. You know, they're two of the most important things. I think in this world right now, you know, I feel like people won't, don't want to do much unless you don't have an education. Like it feels like if you don't go to college, they're just like, they not so much they give up on you, but it's not, you know, it's, you know what I mean? For instance, right. like people just don't care as much. Well, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, that is really great that you're doing that with the foundation. And um, the thing you said about Bill Will to me is everybody needs a Bill Will in their lives. Everybody does. Correct. No matter where you go and where you want to go. For sure. And so that's really great that you bring that up because it's it's like that's what we want to be for people, too. So you want to be somebody's Bill Will one day and hopefully you get that opportunity. Correct. Okay. well, thank you for that. Um, You are playing the RBC Heritage. Have you played well here before? I've never played well here, but it's so close to home. 
And if I was running the tournament and you didn't play, this is where being a nice guy gets in trouble. <laughs> uh, I would be very uh, – would not be – you wouldn't be high on my list, to be honest. And I just I just know that it – you know, obviously it means a lot to the tournament, but it means a lot to me to support the people closest to home. Um, so I got a few home events coming up. I have – I'm playing next week in the Zerk with Brendan Grace. Okay. Which will be pretty fun. Um, I like the I like the team event. I've yet to make the cut there with the team, but I finished seventh by myself. So um, I wish they go back to the old format, but it you know that's just not not the case. And then Valspar, which I haven't played well there either ever. I don't know what the deal is, but I just feel like I'm a better player. That's why I like playing these places where I haven't played well. I feel like I'm going to play well every week, and I'm going to play a lot until this kid comes out you know because i just think time's going to be important to be at home <coughs> afterwards um and then the home game uh playing the wells fargo i actually just got into Quahalo uh, about three months ago so i'm i'm looking forward to that it'll be a real home game now um that's it's like my little major so uh got some good events coming i just need to uh you know focus and do my job and enjoy every second of it well you you you've inspired me today. The uh, the enthusiasm you have with everything you do is is it shows it, it is very real, and I think people could learn a lot from that because you've just described to me basically in an hour your your life in golf, and I've seen nothing but enthusiasm, and I love enthusiasm. So keep that going. I know that'll carry you a long long way. And and uh, thanks again, Harold, for coming on and just spending an hour with me today. Coach, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully see you down the road. And if I can ever do anything, you let me know. Yeah, you tell Taylor Gooch to be nice to you out there on the tour. <laughs> I'll try my best. All right. Well, take care, Harold. Thanks again. No worries. You too. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.